Hey, this is Jack Kelly. Today I want to talk about an article I wrote for Forbes. And in one part, it's heartbreaking. The other part, it's kind of uplifting. So you may be going through this yourself. Here in New York City, Mayor de Blasio decided, hey, we're just closing down the schools. They gave less than 24 hours notice, and that's it. Now, he said that there's a 3% increase, and I don't even know what he's saying. Uh, as a lifelong New Yorker, well, not lifelong, I'm now in Jersey for a bit, but for the most of my life, I've been a New Yorker. He is just destroying the city. I don't know if he's doing this purposely, he's inept, but his policies are making it a ghost town. It's deserted, crime-infested, big rats are all over the place, drug addicts on the street, crime is up, shootings are up. I'm not exaggerating. And listen, for those who are saying, yeah, Jack, New York is always going to be there. I agree with you. I'm a, I'm a New Yorker. You know, even though I'm living in Jersey, my heart is still there. But you know, you got to call it the way you see it. It's, it's a mess. And this very heavy-handed edict of saying, we're closing the schools. And now parents have to rush and figure out what to do. And for working parents, it's brutal. It's so tough. It's a, it's, a, it's a struggle to juggle everything. This, this I just stole that phrase from Dorothy uh, Dalton, who I just had on, on my LinkedIn Live. It's a struggle to juggle. You have two working parents, and they try to have to, how do we keep doing our jobs, maintaining our jobs, and let's be frank, everybody is worried about holding on to their role, given what's happening in the economy. Now, what if you're a single parent? What if you're a parent who works in an essential job, meaning that maybe you're a nurse, maybe you're a low-wage worker who has to go to a factory, who has to go to a retail store, who has to pick up, you know, do the shopping, you know, if through Instacart, working at a warehouse, whatever it may be, that you can't do from home. So now, what do you do with childcare? Who takes care of your children? So everybody is stuck in this situation. I reached out and put a request in on social media to ask people, like, what are they dealing with? And it was amazing. I received so many responses because this is just a hot button issue. And while I mentioned New York City, this is across the whole country. And to a certain degree in other, other countries as well, but a little, much less so. And the stories I heard are wild. I mean, one of the biggest things is this, the takeaways. First of all, I heard really only from moms, which is really telling. And what's interesting is statistics show 800,000 plus women pulled out of the job market during the pandemic. Not even the whole pandemic, but a small swath of time. So I don't know what the real actual numbers are. They're much larger. And it's interesting, I heard just from mothers. I heard, no, I, I'm exaggerating, I heard from two dads. But they didn't offer anything of value, they were just goofing around. The moms went into great detail about what's going on. So here's some of the things that I've learned. It's tough. Particularly, it seems, the younger the kids, the harder. Because you end up having to do your job balance your, your, your spouse doing their job, and there's a little tension. Who's taking care of all the different things around the house? Who's taking care of the kids? Meanwhile, 
the kids are being kids. And for those parents there who have, you know, had toddlers, have toddlers, you know, they have a attention span of a gnat. Every two seconds, they're saying, mommy, mommy, daddy, daddy, I want to do this, I want to do this. They're barging in on your, on, your, on your Zoom calls. They're just knocking on your door. They're just goofing around. They're making a mess of things. They're raiding the refrigerator. Then when it comes to online classes, it's tough. Imagine getting a first grader, second grader, third grader to sit down in front of a Zoom call for hours and hours and hours a day. No social interaction with their peers. And I mean, when I say social interaction, I mean one-on-one, -on -one, real life social interaction is gone. What does that do to people in terms of, for the kids, for their mental health, feelings of isolation? What happens to their social skills? So some of the parents, what they would do is one had a red hat that they wore when mommy was on the phone. So they would know, hey, mommy's on the phone, don't go in, red hat. After all, that got old, so now it's, if you see mommy on the phone and you don't bother me, I'll put a quarter in the jar and then you get a little reward. Kind of ingenious. There are all sorts of other little ingenious hacks that they came up with. An interesting thing I wasn't terribly aware of is something called a pandemic pod. That's where a group of parents would pool money together, hire a teacher, and the teacher would go you know, uh, act as like you would a teacher in school, except it would be in somebody's home, maybe rotating the homes, and give lessons. Now, this is something where you need some money, because think about it. If, an average, if a teacher, you know, let's say anywhere from you know, pre-K to high school, you're talking about, depending on where the location is, it could be $60,000, $70,000. So you have to pony up a fair amount of money. So this really only helps those who have some you know, some disposable money to, to pay for this. And this is where a lot of unfairness comes in, where if, let's say, families have the means to send their kids to private school, and like Governor Newsom in California, who has closed everything, his kids are going to private school. So their education is fine. With a pandemic pod, their kids are learning, which is fine. But the ones who are at home with these glitchy online classes, lack of interpersonal, they're gonna lose their interpersonal skills, they're gonna fall behind. I even hear my kids, my kids are a little older than the demographics of some of the people I spoke with, they're both in college, but they too are complaining that you have these tenured professors who are like 120 years old, who are running these Zoom classes, who really don't know what they're doing. Half the time it doesn't work, it's glitchy, you can't understand, you can't hear correctly, it breaks up. And it's infuriating because you think after eight months of doing this, they would have it perfected, but they don't. And as a parent, I'm outraged because I'm paying, I don't even want to tell you what I'm paying, but it's north of 50 grand a year to have online Zoom classes by someone who's like 200 years old, doesn't know what they're doing, and it sucks. Or they tape themselves and then people would, you know, the students would watch the tape. And then to add to it, for one of my kids, he's in Philly, which everything is on lockdown. He decided to just work from home because he figured, hey, why am I going to stay in an apartment by myself? 
no going to class, no interaction, everything's locked down, can't do much, might as well be at home. But I'm still paying the, I'll still pay the rent. So these issues go from young to college, and it's brutal. One parent was telling me, one mom was telling me, that with her kid wakes up 7.30 in the morning and pretty much all day long is just looking at the computer. From classwork to homework to getting extra help. And, and when she comes home from work, he's a high schooler, his eyes are red, he has migraines, and she worries, what is this gonna mean for him in the long term? Is he really learning? And I hear that echoed by other parents too. They question the caliber of education. So are we creating a situation, some parents ask, again, the moms, because these are all moms who answer, are we creating a situation where you're gonna have a whole group of young kids who are gonna really fall behind on their social skills, interpersonal skills, and competencies in math, science, English? Because it's hard to learn that way. It's hard to learn in a bubble at home. Can some people do it and thrive? I imagine so. But the feedback I'm getting is that no, it's really miserable. It's not working. We're not working as well as it should be doing. Some parents have raised the issue of why are teachers wanting to just shut down the schools? Why are the unions, why are the school superintendents so keen on shutting it down. Many of the people, both who, I, who uh, in an article I wrote for Forbes, I quoted, and others who weren't in the article but I talked separately, the, 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 the wonder isn't the school system all about the kids and not the teachers themselves. And when I say this, I come from a long line of teachers, almost my entire family. Now my Mom and dad have since passed away, but they were both in education in Brooklyn, New York. My brother's a school psychologist. My two uncles were in teaching. My aunts were teaching, nephews, nieces, on and on and on. So I understand that word really well, and most teachers are, are great. They're, they're kind, they're warm, they're wonderful, they're giving, they're committed to their job, they're dedicated their life to teaching. But it seems that the union itself is just trying to shut it down because I've heard from so many people now that they'll come up with solutions to say hey our kids are miserable at home they're suffering they're not happy their grades have just plummeted doesn't seem they're really learning let's do XYZ and they would come up with different ideas to make it work and always shut down they say constantly shut down and what I've heard from a lot of people is that and I do know this because of my family's connection to teaching, is that the union is really powerful, has a lot of weight, has a lot of political clout. So if they're demanding to shut it down, governors, mayors will acquiesce because they want them to vote for them, which is horrible that that's how it's set up. One, one mom was telling me that the teacher made it, uh, you had so, you know, social distancing, but real social distancing. Maybe only seven kids in a class. This is, for some classes, from some places, and you might have in your area, you would have a hybrid schedule where kids would be home a couple of days, at school a couple of days. 
usually it ends up more at home than in school. And they would say that in this instance, they would have half days, just two half days. Kids are way set apart, no talking amongst themselves. Even with masks, no talking. When one of the students came up to ask a question to the teacher, according to his parent, the teacher flipped out, what are you doing? You're gonna spread the disease. When someone yawned or coughed, the teacher had almost a, a nervous breakdown. What is that doing to the kids? And why? And this was a young teacher, they said, who is not, you know, 60s and over with, with medical conditions. So there's a, a big concern is that are we doing this because the teachers are afraid to contract it, which I understand, but we also see lots of people do things, but they take the appropriate measures to be safe. And when we're talking about our kids, don't we owe it to them to make sure they get the best education? Plus, at young ages, getting socialized, making friends, interacting with people, that's so key to growing and becoming who you are. And if you're just at home, in your bed, or in front of a computer all day long, that can't be healthy. Many of the parents also said, why are restaurants open, bars open, gyms open, but yet the schools have to be closed? It seems like a top, they say it's like a topsy-turvy world. It should be the opposite. There's more instances of people <laughs> catching and spreading the disease through bars and restaurants than it is in schools. Other parents question, where is the data? Where's the research? Where are the studies that show that schools have to be closed down and do online? Is it just capricious, they say? Is it because the politicians don't know what to do, so they feel they have to do something? Is it they don't want to offend the union leaders? Is it that they just don't care? These are what the parents wonder, because their lives are really rough. You know, first of all, it's not easy working from home. It's not easy working remotely. Yes, you don't have the commute. Yes, you don't have your boss peering over your shoulder. But at the same time, studies show that people are working longer hours, working weekends, working nights, because they're afraid that their boss will think they're not working, so they have to put in the extra time, because who wants to get laid off in this market? In a job market where millions of people are unemployed, millions more are underemployed, millions more have just given up, and they're not even counted in the official unemployment numbers because they collected employment, they stopped, still haven't found a job, but they're off the radar. So they're worried. They're worried about their job, their future, so they're going to do everything possible. So now you have a baseline of stress and anxiety just to hold on to the job. And then we all know, so what do you do? You have these Zoom calls with your, your colleagues. You have these Zoom calls with your boss. After a while, you get Zoom fatigue. You're still isolated by yourself. You're not with your peers. The parents suffer for that. They're suffering from, from the lack of camaraderie, from being with other people. Lack of interaction. The serendipitous meetings in the hallways. So they're at home. Yeah, there's benefits. But it's not easy. It's not a walk in the park. And then what happens when you have two spouses that have equally strong, powerful jobs and careers? Who gives in? It does seem the mothers give in a lot.
that they not only have to do their job, their work job, but then take care of everything else. So what happens? I hear from a lot of folks, there's tensions. I, I didn't check this out, but I would hazard a guess the divorce rate, and I think I did read it, has really gone much higher during the pandemic. As you can imagine, where there's so much stress holding on to your job, maybe you lost your job trying to find a job during this pandemic, taking care of the kids, helping being the de facto teacher. It's a rough situation. So I encourage you to check out the article in Forbes. And I, I wish I would have some positive other things to say that everything turned around. I, I'm hopeful that we're still in this space where our, our, our elected officials, unfortunately, don't possess the skills, background, to get us through a pandemic. And in a way, I'm not, I'm not knocking them because sometimes when you elect somebody, you elect them at a certain point in time. And these people weren't elected to say, hey, you're the best person to lead during a pandemic. So they're in a position where they don't have the skill set, the background experience to deal with it. They don't have the medical training, the health training. So they're doing it on the fly. Hopefully what happens, we do have the vaccine. It's rolled out. When we get past the holidays into the New Year's, things feel better, the mood changes. We then hopefully have, after nine, 10 months, good data to really look at it honestly and make decisions. Rather than haphazardly closing down businesses, locking it down, saying Thanksgiving is done with, Christmas is done with, we could try to have a rational conversation about what works and what should we do. Instead of maybe having every day, here's the casualties, or here's the uh, claims of, uh, of the new, uh, new cases, rather. So when we have all these new cases that are announced, maybe be more helpful, some of the parents say, the moms again say, that they should quantify it. So instead of saying, well, today we have 10,000 people who now have uh, COVID-19. Well, okay. Out of that number, how many is, is it fatal? How many it's just really bad, but not that bad, you know, fatal? How many are false positives? Wouldn't it make more sense, the parents say, the moms say, to let's know what we're really dealing with. How many young children have it? How many young children spread it? How many teachers get it? How many, how many teachers spread it? How, how often does COVID travel within the schools? So what they say is, hey, instead of just saying, shut it down, have some thought behind it, some research behind it, some studies behind it. And just so you know, I'm really precautious. I take precautions. I wear my mask everywhere. I social distance. To be very frank, I'm kind of just working all the time. Because as I mentioned earlier, my kids are in college, so they have their own lives. My wife's working, she has her own life. We've brought in a, a, my sister-in-law, and she's, um, she has some health risks, so I don't want to bring anything back. So I'm super careful, so I'm not in the camp of saying, you know, hey, masks are stupid, 
and don't uh, social distance. No, I'm trying to do because I, 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 the last thing I'd want to do is inadvertently spread something to somebody. My brother had COVID. It was horrible. One, one, a person on my team had COVID. Horrible. I, I get how bad it is. My, my nephew had it. Horrible. A niece had it. Horrible. So I get it. But at the same time, we're looking at children and their futures. And, and that's, that's all we have at the end of the day. Eventually we get old and we're going to be gone, but they're there. They're going to grow. Do we want to have a whole generation of people who are scarred by this, who have fallen behind and may never catch up? And I think before these politicians, from what you know, the moms are saying, before they make these decisions, they really got to think of what are the consequences and weigh it. What is the risk of being open in terms of catching or spreading COVID compared to keeping it open or keeping it closed and having kids who are going to feel isolated, alone, depressed, perhaps have suicidal thoughts, perhaps turn to drugs, and really have deleterious effects from for the long term. So these are things that are brought up. So as I mentioned, it's a really serious issue. It's a really important issue. And something, I'm so glad that these women were brave to stand up and say what's going on. Most people don't because you know in our culture right now, if you may not say the politically correct thing, you're just attacked. So I, I give such kudos to the people who spoke with me, who, who gave the thumbs up to print their stories, but then all the ones who too, who maybe for whatever reason didn't make it into the piece, who, who volunteered to say, here's what's going on. They're strong women, brave women for saying that, because they know there could be repercussions. They know that teachers may have it out for their kids because of that, or neighbors or townspeople may disagree, and it could be uncomfortable. But I think we have to have these conversations without hating each other or yelling at each other, but just talking like I'm talking now. So with the idea that we really have to find out what's best for the kids, but then also we don't want to put the parents in the spot where it just ruins their lives, ruins their marriages, because that also is going to have adverse impacts on the kids. So it has to be more thought out. And I'm so glad I heard their stories, because coming from a space where I have two young adults I'm not that I wasn't aware of what was happening until they really shed light on it. And you can be aware of something conceptually, but then when you hear it again and again, it opens your eyes. So I hope this opens your eyes. I hope, hope it just gives you food for thought, an understanding of what people are going through, and maybe even compassion. If you're a single person working with someone, maybe a little miffed that someone who's a parent might not be around when you're trying to get a hold of them. Just have some empathy and understand what they're going through. So it's Jack Kelly, CEO, founder, recruiter. Um, this is a very different kind of vlog, but I think very important one. So I, I hope I hope this was informative and helpful. Thanks for watching. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the WeCruiter podcast. If you want to check out other great content from WeCruiter, make sure to visit us at WeCruiter.io. That's W-E-C-R-U-I-C-R dot I-O. We offer tons of great resources for job seekers and professionals, so make sure to check us out today.